Welcome back to the program. Would you believe a little technical issue there? Uh, I know, I know. I'm as surprised as you. Brad Hogg coming up very shortly. We'll have Afternoons Amplified with Coach K. We're doing it, remember, all thanks to SBS Fence, Portable Toilet and Temporary Fence Hire in Sydney. It's a great team, Alex and the crew out there at sbsfence.com.au. You're listening via SENQ 693 AM in Brizzy, SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Download that SEN app anywhere at any time. If you've missed anything through the first hour, indeed through the year, through the last week, uh, whenever it is you want to go back, wherever it is you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, go and search for Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. You'll find it right there. one 1170 and the text line 0457-736-736. So we're talking a lot today uh, about the news in the rugby league world, of course, adding for Newell Blake. So Bulldogs out, Sharks in. Um, we are all excited. I see Michael Carianis has got himself a trip over to Las Vegas. Well done, Michael. Congratulations on that. Red, white, and true blue. So that's better. Spencer Linu and Billy Walters, they're holding their respective team jerseys. So uh, interested. I think it was Mark Sanchez was down there throwing a rugby ball, a rugby ball around. They call it rugby. Don't worry if they call it rugby. Just get on with it. It's I don't care whether they support rugby or rugby league. Um, just find their support. I think that's the, the best thing for it. Herbie Farnworth has walked into Dolphins training and said, I'm going to be better than I was last year uh, or in 2023. 2023, he was absolutely outstanding. Getting away from the rugby league at the moment. This is interesting. We probably could have saved it for uh, Afternoons Amplified, but Rugby Australia is looking to appoint World Rugby Official as their new Director of High Performance. So this is this all-encompassing job that we talked about, remember? Uh, I think they've got to give it a new name, High Performance of Rugby League. No, call it the CEO of Rugby. That's what you can call it. So it looks like it's Sydney Sports Executive Peter Horn. I must be honest, I've never heard of Peter. He's worked in this space, obviously, with rugby for a long, long time. Um, And I don't know his credentials, I'm sure that he's going to be fantastic for that. So he's got the role now of appointing the new coach of the Wallabies in conjunction with the board, obviously, and with Phil War. But he's beaten out Harlequin's director of rugby, Billy Millard, who I know very well, and former Wallabies captain, James Horwell, and apparently Rupert boss, Justin Harrison. He was a candidate, then he withdrew from that one. So we, we learn a little bit more about the way forward for rugby in this country. So that's a critical appointment in the lead-up to what is a big couple of years coming up for rugby. I thought this was interesting. Taylan May has come out and said, yeah, yeah, I want to stay at the Panthers, but to be honest, I prefer to play with my two brothers. So his two brothers are Tyrone May, who was looking to come back to the NRL. There was links to the Bulldogs, but he's now signed a two-year deal with Hull KR over there in the Super League. And Terrell May, whose Roosters contract is up, and he's also been linked to Canterbury as well. But if I could, then I probably would like to stay. But then again, I want to play with my brothers, all of them. If I could, says Taylan May. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Junior Smithy said something along the line. If the Bulldogs are no longer in the race for Adam Fanua Blake, and a question for you, if you were in charge of the Bulldogs, would you pay $1 million for AFB or spend that million and pick up Terrell May and Braden hamlin Ueli with the funds left over? Uh, I know very uh, easily what I would do on that one. Terrell May, I think, has got a lot of upside. I think the best of Braden Ham. I'd make Braden hamlin Ueli do a thorough physical uh, because he has had those injuries concerned, most notably around his knee. So 
That would be my concern on that one. The other thing that uh, has come across the desk too today uh, around Solomon Alamalo, who has joined the West Tigers from the Chiefs. So big fella, 196 centimetres, 99 kilos. So challenging Dave Nofaluma. Um, He's played a number of years with the Chiefs, also played for Canterbury in the NPC over there in New Zealand, which is a high-level club rugby competition. My understanding is uh, they say, oh, you know, he's a great buy, he's a great buy. Well, what did you pay for him? That would be my first question. And the other question is uh, I would suggest not much because he has been shopped around to every other NRL club, most of them thinking that at age 27 – he was too big of a risk in the transition to rugby league. So uh, that is the latest news. I think we're also getting Holman Barnes Group giving us an understanding of what that review looks like. I believe that's tonight. Uh, all sorts of pressure on Lee Hadjabentelis to remain as chair. All sorts of pressure on those people in the Holman Barnes Group who actually sanctioned the report to maintain their job. So that'll be interesting. That will be interesting. The talk topic for today, obviously, is when sport-inspired art. We've had a number of people asking for this one. Take it away, Coach K. Okay, time now to talk some cricket with Brad Hogg. He is on the line from Perth. We've got the first test match against Pakistan starting in a couple of days' time. We look forward to that. We also look forward to Hoggy's coverage of the BBL. You hear it here on SEN. G'day, Brad. G'day, guys. How are we? Mate, really well. Really well. It's just me, Hoggy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Now, the weather over here, is that what you just asked? Sorry, I was just moving around. I was just getting out of the office there. No, you're right, mate. I, I'm going to ask, how's things looking for this Optus Stadium test match? Yes, we want to know about teams, and yes, we want to know about grass cover and all those things, but how many people are going to turn up, Hoggy? Uh, depends on harvest over here. I think most of the farmers up north have finished harvest, and uh, I, I know that a few down south are finishing harvest. So, be, being a bush boy, uh, we got a lot of um, country members. So that's probably one of the reasons why they didn't rock up last year, even though that we had the West Indies. Um, so hopefully the, uh, that, that will turn things around. But I, I think there will be a fair crowd here, especially on day one. We've got a uh, we've got a lot of um, south uh, well Southeast Asians over here, uh, especially from Pakistan as well, that really enjoy their cricket. So uh, there will be a few Pakistan's uh, Pakistan fans that turn out as well. So um, ex- ex- expect a fair crowd. You know what, Hoggy? That's the first time I've heard that mentioned about where it uh, happens on the the farming calendar. Now I'm an old bush boy as well, mate, and so yeah. I know that every year my father was able to make it to the Sydney Test match in early January, bar one, because harvest went so late. So that had an impact on on the Test numbers there. So um, that's a very interesting point that you make. All right, so all the bushies will be in town. That's good. Are we going to see the same eleven or the anticipated eleven? turn out for Australia in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I think Head's going to be batting in the middle order. Uh, you obviously got Warner and Kawaja opening the batting, so the top top um, 
top five will be fairly similar. It'll just be a matter between Green and uh, and Mitchell Marsh. I think Marsh is the favour of the month at the moment, and I think yeah, you just want that aggressive player with head. Uh, coming in out five and six with Kerry, who can uh, hold things up at number seven. So I think that'll be a great balance because you want that middle order, if if the top order have done a fantastic job, just to take the game away and take it away quickly. Um, so that it gives your bowlers a chance to uh, bowl the opposition out twice. So um, that, that's how I think it'll go. I think we'll still go with line the spinner. And I don't think they'll change with the uh, three quicks that we've seen over the last uh, last decade. Oh, well, Hazelwood's been injured over the last couple of years, but um, I, I think he'll be playing in front of Morris, which is slightly disappointing. I think Morris has got a lot of pace, and I think the West Australian crowd would absolutely love uh, to see him bowling here out off the stadium. I, was, I saw him the other day. He was down training at the Perth Scorchers. And uh, my godfather, I, I haven't seen many bowlers quicker than him. He was absolutely lightning. Okay, so in your time when you were playing, uh, who was the one? Am I right in saying, were you on the 2007 World Cup trip where Mitch Johnson, I think, was a reserve player as well, and no one wanted to bat in the nets against him? Uh, yeah, that was, well, that was uh, that was one occasion. I remember um, we were over in South Africa on one particular tour. And I was facing Mitch in Joburg, um, and anyway, it was it was quite sharp on off stump. And generally, I you know I, I used to love cutting it, but it was uh, just around chest high. I cut it out of the net and it went into the golf course. It probably would have been six over uh, over backward point, um, not, not because it was a good shot. It was just the pace, and I, I just managed to get enough on it. Um, yeah. And he just stared at me and he said, uh, if you're slightly back away, I'm going to follow your next ball. And I said, Mitch, uh, we're teammates. If you're going to be like this, uh, I'm going to enjoy playing again, uh, playing with you. So, uh, yeah, he, he had that pace early on, and he, he had a bit of uh, sheer determination as well. And I'm glad that we saw that a couple of years later in the Asher series where he really dominated. Yeah, he certainly did. I think Ryan Harris on one trip said, that's it, I'm refusing to bat uh, to Mitch Johnson, which is uh, understandable on that one. He has been in the news quite a bit, Mitch Johnson, um, for uh, over the last couple of weeks. What have what have you made of his comments, Hoggy? And, and what are your thoughts on David Warner and getting a send-off at the SCG Test match? Well, I'm over here in West Australia, and you're over there in Sydney, and we've got a Sydney audience, don't we? Yeah, uh, so we, we, we go to for this particular segment. <laughs> no, I tell you oh, what, well, Hoggy, I know you wouldn't do that, mate. And we also go to Queensland too, so keep that in mind. <laughs> well, Queensland's okay. Uh, the, the old Maroons up there, um, state of origin. That, that's always a great contest. But look, I. Do, Forget about Mitchell Johnson. I'm looking forward to Bancroft and Warner at, uh, opening the batting for the Sydney Thunder this year, um, seeing that relationship really take off. But let's get back to the question that you actually asked, Mitchell Johnson uh, on David Warner. Look, I, I think there's a, uh, you know there's there's a bit of um, animosity there uh, as such. Um, but look, I, I think Mitchell Johnson, with what he wanted to ride, I, I think he's right in one aspect that. Um, David Warner probably doesn't deserve the send-off uh, that he wants out the SCG as such, if, if you look at his numbers. And then he went a bit too far with other stuff that's uh, that, that, that's happening behind the scenes. So on, on, if you look at the numbers, um, yes, well, David Warner's lucky to be in there. I think he's averaging 28 in the last couple of years. And since the incident over in South Africa, I think he's only averaging 38. And you look at someone like Cameron Bancroft, He's been batting the house down through that particular period, uh, especially over the last two years. He's averaging 60, I think 10 hundreds to his name. 
So you're looking at those stats and you start to wonder why is David Warner able to get that send-off. But then I, mm. I, I sort of look at David Warner's story and where he's come from and, the, uh, and what he's done throughout the years. Yes, there's been a bit of controversy there, but at the end of the day, he's got a lot of fight in him. Uh, he's he's been through those tough situations, and you know if if he if he performs well in the first two test matches, I think it will be great for him to get a send off in front of his family at the SCG. I think every player that plays for Australia uh, wants to play at least once on their home to, so, soil if they get that opportunity to play for Australia. But if they have a long career, they want that send off as well. So um, I, I think that would be great. And I yeah. look back through. Um, Earlier years, Ian Healy didn't get that send-off that he should have had no. uh, up there in Brisbane. And uh, my, my hero over here, that's the father of Sean and Mitchell Marsh, uh, Jeff Marsh, uh, got dropped in the in, in the test match um, uh, here at the Wacker. That would have been his last game. And the worst thing about that one here at the Wacker is they picked the wrong tailor um, for, uh, to replace him. So that they made the mistake of dropping Jeff, but also... Um, Picking the wrong, uh, wrong wrong player to replace him. Geez, you've got good memories here. But can I just ask you? I had it down as a question. I've got to ask you, Hoggy. Why do the Western Australians hate the East Coast so much? And I might change that. It doesn't sound like East Coast. It sounds like you Queenslanders. You're okay. How are you with the Victorians? Because it's clear that the, the the love for New South Wales just isn't there. Oh no, I wouldn't say the love. I wouldn't say New South Wales uh, isn't. Um, I think I think Victoria uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, more hate love relationship. I'll put the the, the hate first. Um, yes. But it, it it probably comes with the rivalry from um, uh, from Aussie rules football uh, with Victoria. Yep. And I, I think if you go back in the past as well, um, you know there was a period there where West Australia. I think the first Shield game that I played, or the second Shield game, sorry, Stuart McGill debuted with me uh, at the SCG, and then we came back here. I think in the 12 that was in that team, there was uh, 11 players that had played for Australia. So um, we, we had a period there where we were producing a lot of Australian cricketers and then it dropped off. And I think um, New South Wales had a lot of representatives. And I, I think it just comes... Um, I, th- I think, you know, growing up, there was, a, there was a lot of talk about New South Welshmen uh, always getting favoured for Australian selection. If you get a blue cap, you've automatically got a green cap type scenario. Um, so it comes back from early on um, rather than uh, the, the period of time right now. So that, that's probably where that that uh, relationship with Sydney um, sort of fell apart. And you're going yeah. back to the 1970s there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a long yeah. time ago. Sorry. Well, let's get let's get to the present, Hoggy. We've got a great BBL tournament that's that's in action now. The Scorchers have been phenomenal. They've won five championships they've won the last two um some just amazing performances what makes them so good can they do it again this year oh look uh i was fortunate enough to be at a function the other day where we um uh, justin langham myself uh simmons who played for new south wales uh, who's from wa then came back and played for the scorchers who made that who had that wonderful year where he made 100 i think in the in the final and mitchell johnson was there who who we were talking about and um the the crew there were just uh, fantastic i think i think what makes the Perth scorchers such a formidable team is um uh, the young generation that were coming through when the, when the Big Bash started, you're looking at your Turners, your Bancroft, who's over there at Sydney Thunder now. Uh, we've got Whiteman back from the Sydney Thunder here. Uh, th- those, those particular uh, players, that age group, uh, came into the system 
and uh, they were leaders from the start. They wanted to take uh, WA cricket forward. Um, we created a cr- great culture from day one where we really interacted with the fans as well, and we created that community spirit over here in West Australia, and we just realised that, yes, you, you play to win, but it's, 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 it's not about the win. It's, being, it's about being consistent, but it's about putting people first. Um, so, yes... Uh, what's happening in your life was more important than what, what was happening on the field because if, you, if you've got your life in order, then all of a sudden your cricket looks after yourself. So it, it was, um, it, it's more of a focus on, on the full, full human being rather than uh, uh, just having the individual there just to, to perform on a cricket field. I think that, that, that's the thing that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I've always admired Ashton Turner. Like Ashton Turner is a guy who I think is probably a little little unlucky you probably agree with me not to have played more for Australia because he he's just class in in everything he does I want to ask you about a couple of spinners mate we saw them in action last night Patrick Dooley and Peter Hatsaglu um you, unique action unique actions uh, unique lead up to the action um different dudes Hoggy when you look at that what, what do you see uh, look, Hatsaglou, I can speak a little bit more. Dooley, I've only just seen... Uh, I haven't seen enough of Dooley, but uh, he's, he's got a bit of an interesting action as well. But um, the, the one thing I like about Hatsaglou is he was over here at the Perth Scorchers. Um, he knew that he wasn't going to get a game every game, especially here at Optus Stadium, but uh, just his work rate, uh, his will to improve was, was just awesome. Uh, he knew his limitations... But he also knew his strengths and he, he had fantastic game plans going out there out in the middle and I really want to see him succeed. And Dooley, he's something different as well. Uh, if, if I'm looking at him, he's got a, a pretty high action. I like the way that he uh, sort of uh, has that action where the arm goes over twice as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. That there's a bit of extra... Yeah, there's a bit of extra speed there. Um, but I, I'd like to have a l- little bit more of a look at Dooley, see what more uh, variations he's got. Um, that, that's that's probably the big thing. But uh, I, from from what I've seen, both of them are very consistent on their line and length, and that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're very consistent on your line and length, Hoggy. Uh, always enjoy chatting, mate. Very refreshing. Enjoy that test match starting on Thursday, and we we'll look forward to hearing you across the SEN airwaves, uh, BBL 13. Yeah, and just just quickly, just uh, watch out for Hamish McKenzie as well, another left arm leggy that's come on the scene with the Perth Scorchers. Um, I saw him the other day, and uh, the keeper wasn't picking him too well, so that that's a good sign. Okay, left arm leg. I, I had a mate I played in uh, high school. He was a left arm leggy. I was the captain, and to this day, we're talking thirty five years, Hoggy. To this day, he still th- feels that I under bowled him. So um, it always happens with the left arm leggies, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, exactly right. Don't worry, I'll tell Tom Moody that as well when I, when I first started out. But uh, oh, look, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're very lucky. And look, um, uh, you know, actually, you know, you go back with the love-hate relationship with Sydney. Um, I, I just want to say that I've, I've always had a remarkable uh, love for Sydney over there. Every time I was there playing playing cricket, the crowd were absolutely fantastic for us. And, um, you know, the, the Perth Scorchers, we, we absolutely love the Sydney crowd, the crowds. They've been, uh, they respect us. They uh, they love what we do. And, um, you know, I, I think when you talk about that uh, love-hate relationship with the Eastern States, I, th- I think 
things have turned since the 1970s, especially in the last 10 years with uh, West Australians' love of um, of, uh, of New South Wales. So I'd just like to thank the New South Wales crowd out there for what they did uh, with me, uh, supported me, but also um, how, they've, how they've supported uh, WA teams when they've come over there as well. A lot of love and respect for you, Brad Hogg, on this program, no doubt about it. The listeners as well. Great to chat, Hoggy. Enjoy your test match and your BBL, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, Jimmy. Have a great day. Cheers, mate. There he is, Brad Hogg. Uh, he's, I like him. Oh, he's just so refreshing, looks at things differently. Um, I like that. The hate-love relationship. Not the love-hate, the hate-love relationship that the West has, mostly with Victoria. So that was refreshing. Queenslanders, you're okay. You're fine. The Maroons, he's okay with that. But uh, New South Wales, meh, Victorians, definitely the hate-love relationship there. All right, give us your thoughts on his thoughts, 0457 736 736. Let's break. And then we're back with more.